Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hague Journal of Diplomacy podcast. My name is Elon Medhavji, and I will be your host. Today, we're going to be exploring science diplomacy. Now, while this is a relatively new field of academic study, it has been a long-standing part of the diplomatic world. And currently, with a pandemic gripping the globe, it has perhaps never been so relevant. Thankfully for us, though, it won't just be me trying to understand what putting the words science and diplomacy together actually means. With me to help unpack this concept is Professor Pierre Bruno Ruffini. After serving as the president of the University of Le Havre, he was posted twice as a counselor for science and technology, first to the French embassy in Russia, and then to the French embassy in Italy. Then, after this experience of being a practitioner of science diplomacy, he returned to the University of Le Havre to explore the academic side of the field. He has since written a book called Science and Diplomacy, A New Dimension of International Relations, which is considered to be one of the first comprehensive works on the field of science diplomacy. And he presently acts as an expert in the ongoing European research project, Inventing a Shared Science Diplomacy for Europe. It comes then perhaps as little surprise that he will also be the guest editor for the Hague Journal of Diplomacy's upcoming forum dedicated to science diplomacy, which has of course brought us together today Pierre Bruno, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Uh, good morning, Ellen. It's a pleasure to be with you and to talk with you today. Thank you, thank you. And I think, um, I think it would be important perhaps for myself and our listeners to start with understanding what exactly is science diplomacy. When we say science diplomacy, what are we talking about? Well, uh, at first glance, um, we talk about a set of practices uh, at the intersection of scientific activity and foreign affairs, which means that science diplomacy is a topic that bridges science, technology, and foreign affairs. Um, it covers many things. Um, it, it could be seen as a sort of umbrella concept. And perhaps there is sometimes the risk uh, to uh, overstretch the notions. To put it as simply as possible, I would say that uh, in order that uh, an action or practice um, be labeled uh, as science diplomacy, two things are needed. Of course, science in it is needed. Science at the international level, meaning cooperation between scientists of different countries, mobility of scientists across uh, countries, and of course, diplomacy is needed also. And diplomacy is there anytime the national interests are at stake or involved. And diplomacy means defending and promoting the national interests. So uh, we can say that science diplomacy is about actions which either directly or indirectly advance the country's national interests. And at a global level, we could also consider that uh, science diplomacy um, is a sort of strategy uh, for uh, positively transform international relations. So it, it, it can impact anytime uh, scientific action impacts on the uh, international order, we can, we can consider them as belonging to the science diplomacy uh, sphere. Okay, thank you. I think, I think that gives us a much better idea of what we're talking about. And um, I think it might also be useful to to look into some examples of this. So what are some of the examples throughout history of science diplomacy that our listeners or myself might recognize as, uh, as a, a cornerstone moment in diplomatic or political or world history that was an example of science diplomacy? Well, um, in order maybe to, to, uh, to give an example and to go a little bit better in the understanding of science diplomacy, I would say 
first that uh, there are basically two two fast two ways to to get into the topic of science diplomacy you can start from the state um, um, from um, the nation states and we could say that this is a national approach to science diplomacy uh, in, in that sense science diplomacy refers to those practices advancing national interests and, and this is quite in line uh, with uh, the uh, state-centered approach to diplomacy science diplomacy in this national approach uh, is a subset of a country's foreign policy just as we have trade diplomacy for instance or cultural diplomacy so science diplomacy would be something in, in you know in the portfolio of, of, of the national diplomacy and uh, but we have also the uh, the other approach which is the global approach to um, to science diplomacy the globalist approach and this is a different starting point then we start from um, common problems which need to be solved uh, at the global level uh, this is the common issue perspective and uh, the global approach uh, starts from uh, the scientists most often it is favored by a diverse set of individuals or non-set institutions who um, have in common to advocate for using science uh, to engage in problem solving. So national approach or global approach, of course, they have to, they have to, um, to, to, to meet and to cross, uh, to connect together. We have to connect national interest and common interest. By the way, we have a paper in our forum by Paul Berkman dealing about this topic. Now to come directly to your, uh, your question, of, of example, maybe I would um, use here the very um, famous uh, threefold taxonomy, which was produced by the Royal Society and the American Association for the Advancement of Science uh, some 12 years ago, um, trying to answer two questions. How can diplomacy support science and how can science support diplomacy? How can diplomacy support science? Well, the answer which was given was diplomacy for science. What is diplomacy for science? Here come the examples. Science agreements between governments, when governments want to, to support scientific cooperation, when they sign bilateral agreements and diplomats are involved you know, in the process. Um, support given by embassies to uh, research mobility, to uh, clearing visa problems, to um, the, the funding of uh, doctoral student, student missions and so. Um, the posting of science attaché or science consular abroad, this is another example of diplomacy for science. Now, um, turning to the question, how can science support diplomacy? Then uh, the Royal Society AAAS um, answer was, first, uh, science in diplomacy. Science in diplomacy is uh, all what relates to informing foreign policy objectives with scientific advice, using scientific knowledge in uh, international negotiations, and um, for instance, uh, in environment negotiation, we all know about the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which brings scientific expertise uh, to diplomacy in order to, to, to negotiate uh, in the climate convention. That's it, science in diplomacy. And uh, science for diplomacy as another uh, way of um, looking at the way uh, how science can support diplomacy. What is science for diplomacy? 
Science for Diplomacy is about using scientific cooperation to improve international relations between uh, countries. Uh, the fact is that uh, diplomats can be interested, interested to, to capitalize on the, the good image of science, on its uh, soft power. And uh, this can be done, especially in situations where uh, there are tensions between countries, between sovereigns. In such situations, it can be interesting to see the um, relationship between sciences continue to go on, to, to, uh, to, to be fruitful. Um, we uh, can see here that science for diplomacy is a way of, uh, you know, um, using science for possibly mitigating political conflicts. We had example during the Cold War. During the Cold War, uh, we still had scientific cooperation going on between the two blocs. We have a paper in the, in, in the forum by Olga Krasniak dealing with this. We have the more uh, recent example of um, the sending uh, during the Obama administration, the sending of science envoys to um, um, Muslim uh, countries. Well, in order to connect um, through science to those countries within the frame of the um, you know, reset policy of Obama uh, at the international level. And um, this, I uh, would add uh, that this science for diplomacy um, dimension is maybe one of the most interesting um, aspects of science diplomacy to, to be discussed. Why? Because in science for diplomacy, there is an uh, underlying political project. There is the idea that uh, international scientific cooperation can bring benefits, which are not only scientific benefits, but also political benefits. And uh, this is why sometimes this dimension uh, can be seen uh, controversial, controversial, because this can be seen as a way of using science for uh, political ends. And I know that there are people that are not comfortable with the expression science diplomacy because um, they think that science diplomacy is mainly using science for advancing political agendas, which is one aspect of science diplomacy, but uh, probably not only the only, the, the only one. Yeah. So I, I thank you for that answer. I think it, it, it and as most good answers uh, do, they, they raise more questions uh, as well. And um, what I find interesting about what you've said is you've mentioned a couple times this interaction between science and diplomacy and uh, the different mindsets and priorities that both worlds have. So for the diplomatic side, you've talked about international cooperation and international relations between states. You've talked also about national interest and what state priorities are. And then on the scientific side, uh, you talked about the almost the apolitical nature of science, the, the, the progress of knowledge, especially for these greater common global issues that affect us all. So that's convenient because as, as someone like yourself who has, who has spent time in both worlds, in the diplomatic and the academic scientific sphere, I am curious now, building from your experience and what you've seen around you, is there a different approach to science diplomacy depending on whether uh, it's coming from the diplomatic mindset or the scientific mindset? And what does that actually mean for the practice of it itself? Well, um, yes. Um, 
let's say uh, as a starting point that we have two different cultures, of course. Uh, the culture of a diplomat and the culture of an academic or scientist are not the same. Uh, um, diplomats, they defend and they promote national interests, as I said, so they are national characters uh, by mission, I would say by mission. And uh, whereas the idea of um, the, 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 the national uh, is um, generally alien to a scientist. A scientist, especially from the natural sciences, is more permitted by uh, the universal values of science. We, we, could, we could talk about the universal values of science, which are used in the discourse on science diplomacy. Um, we could discuss that. We have a paper by Tim Flint in our forum about that, by the way. But uh, in order to contrast the two characters, that would be the starting point, you see. Uh, the mentality is different, of course. The projects are different. But the interest of science diplomacy is to say, well, there are situations where those people from so different worlds, they meet, uh, they work together, they can connect, and each of them can understand what, what is the mindset of the other. And this is a prerequisite for efficient science diplomacy. Uh, for instance, if you consider, you know, the uh, Iran nuclear deal of uh, uh, 2015, which was a complicated thing, you know, uh, a complicated negotiation, and, and at that time it was considered a successful negotiation, well, you understand that uh, diplomats and scientists, uh, the close team of diplomats and scientists on each side, on any side, being part of this uh, agreement, they had to, to work together to understand exactly uh, science uh, and technology aspects and political aspects of the deal, which were equally important in the negotiations. So I like this idea that science diplomacy could be a co-construction, you see, uh, of um, the, the skills and the knowledge and the capacities of two very different communities of factors. Um, that of diplomats and that of, of scientists. Perfect. So I, I, I think that definitely answers that question. And using, I, I, I do agree that I think the, the Iran nuclear deal is perhaps a very good example that brings that all together, especially when referring back to what you were mentioning in terms of science for diplomacy and diplomacy for science. I think that's a, a very good example that ties those all together. Um, and that brings me to my next question, which I would like to draw a little bit uh, from your work actually on this one, um, because I've noticed that when we look at other areas of diplomacy, perhaps what we would call more traditional areas of diplomacy, uh, there's a greater sense of competition. And maybe that comes from the very realist mindset that states often operate with when it comes to international relations. But why is that for other areas of diplomacy, there's a greater sense of competition, but for science diplomacy, it is far more cooperative and even as you mentioned, whether it's the Iran nuclear deal or even reaching back to the Cold War between the USSR and US, as you mentioned, um, that even between countries that are at odds or even at war, there can be a great sense of cooperation within science diplomacy. So why does competition play a unique role in science diplomacy and what can we learn from that? Well, the fact is that uh, the the, the discourse on science diplomacy, I would call the mainstream discourse, the, the, the dominant vision, um, gives a great importance to cooperation. Uh, cooperation 
is the uh, the royal path, you know, to uh, to um, implement science diplomacy cooperation through science between uh, scientists from different countries, or collaboration at the international level for reaching agreements in, in, in global issues which uh, um, require a lot of uh, scientific input in them. So cooperation is central, very central. And um, I asked myself, yes, why, why is it different, so different, uh, if we compare science diplomacy to uh, other um, fields of uh, the diplomatic action which are close, such as, for instance, economic diplomacy or cultural diplomacy. Economic diplomacy uh, is not that far from science diplomacy because in economic, in economic diplomacy, you, you, you touch the questions of innovation, of course, and those questions of innovation also could be included in science diplomacy. We have a paper in the, in the forum of, about that by Pascal Griset. And uh, economic diplomacy um, claims to be competitive. You see, economic diplomacy is about uh, the support of state given to uh, exporting companies, about attracting foreign direct investment in the country, uh, competing, uh, uh, obviously, at the, uh, on the global scene. And cultural diplomacy is also close to science diplomacy, if you consider that science could be uh, seen as a subset of culture, you know, in, in a general, in general sense. And cultural diplomacy is uh, strongly rooted to the country's identity. It, it is about projecting the national culture abroad through the language, uh, especially, which uh, we are uh, uh, very uh, looking forward to doing this in France, as you, as you know. So cultural diplomacy is really proper to each country, and um, there is um, there also um, a sort of competition on the global scene, you know, to try to promote one's culture, one's language uh, on the global scene and, and, and attract uh, attention, attract students and so. And this idea of competition, um, which is present in economic diplomacy and cultural diplomacy, is it present also in science diplomacy? Well, um, I see that the mainstream discourse doesn't give much attention to this because the idea is probably coming from the universal values of science, and I should add here that the discourse on science diplomacy is produced by scientists, you know, not by diplomats, not by diplomats. The one who speak, who write on science diplomacy are former scientists, uh, or still exerting scientists, and, but they have moved into international affairs in some sense, and they are qualified to speak about science diplomacy, but they, they, they bring in the discourse with them, they bring, you know, their maybe uh, universe, universalist vision of, of the world. Uh, they bring um, maybe some kind of idealism in it, which a diplomat wouldn't bring uh, uh, that way for, for sure. And uh, it seems to me that for that reason, probably, probably uh, the competitive aspects of science diplomacy are downplayed, you see, in, in, in the vision, in, in the discourse. But they are there in the field. In the field, when you are a science diplomat in the field, you see, well, you are a science attaché at an embassy post of the broad, well, you know that your job is, is to, to, to promote the influence of your country. 
you know that your job is to try to attract you know uh, scientists or students to your country um, as part of a uh, as part of an influence policy that you are supposed to represent you know abroad and which and this is not exactly cooperation it's more on the side of competition but beside that i would say i, I we shouldn't we shouldn't uh, um, overplay you know the, the importance of competition it is there in science diplomacy but obviously obviously probably most of science diplomacy is based uh, on cooperation on collaboration and that's good yeah i i i couldn't agree more and um i think considering what you've now shared with us in terms of the balance between cooperation and competition and also reaching back to what you mentioned before in terms of the interaction between the diplomatic and scientific mindset and the use that science diplomacy plays on the global stage i'd i'd like to challenge you if you will so considering uh the current context that we're talking to each other obviously we're not face to face we're having to to do this virtually um and around us yeah the the globe is gripped by a pandemic and that is one of these global challenges, these universal common challenges that one would think that science diplomacy would come into play in a situation like that. Um, but I'm curious from your perspective, how do you think this, the current situation with COVID-19 um, has impacted science diplomacy? How, has you seen, how have you seen these two uh, entities interact? Uh, what have we learned about it? Well, this is, of course, one of the big questions of, uh, of the day. And, uh, um, well, the COVID-19 uh, is a big challenge to science diplomacy. It's a sort of a stress test for science diplomacy. Why? Because um, this pandemic is, is a, a typical situation where uh, science diplomacy is supposed to have its greatest relevance because science diplomacy uh, is a methodology, a process, a set of tools for um, tackling global challenges. Uh, it, it is not only that, but it, it is, it is um, definitely an interesting, interesting uh, process in order for uh, tackling global ch challenges. And uh, what did we see during this crisis? What, what you saw, we, we heard a lot about, about science. There, there, there was a great coverage of health issues. We, uh, we, we could see the experts, um, physicians, and so on um, at the forefront. Uh, there was an uh, international mobilization of uh, uh, scientific resources, which was very exemplary, uh, with international co collaboration between researchers um, uh, of different countries for the sharing of medical data, for instance. Um, so uh, science uh, during this um, crisis um, uh, proved to be a very uh, reactive. Science was there, you see. Uh, but what about diplomacy during the crisis? Did we hear much about diplomacy? No, we, we hear very little. And in particular, uh, multilateral diplomacy uh, has, has been uh, absence uh, we we saw uh, national responses to the crisis but uncoordinated national responses uh, with maybe the exception of the european union we saw that the uh, the science policy interfaces um didn't work that well uh, in, in 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 many countries 
um, we saw some step backs, you know, uh, of sound diplomacy when the United States uh, withdrew from the uh, Welfare organizations. Well, this is sound diplomacy in the negative, you see? This is in the negative. And, um, well, um, probably the crisis has uh, shown a sort of failure of sound diplomacy. Um, there was a, a historical opportunity that was that was miss, missed, uh, not because of science, uh, but mostly because of, of politics, of course, because of international politics, because of um, difficulties or inability of countries to, to coordinate uh, their uh, efforts. However, we, we, we do know that um, in order to face uh, global challenges, uh, any global uh, challenge, any, any challenge relating to global public goods, uh, in order to face, we need multilateral answers. Um, and uh, this is why probably uh, the lesson we can draw from the crisis uh, and in order to, to get ready uh, to, to face the next one, you know, the next one. The lesson is that there is a need probably to rearm, to restore science diplomacy at the multilateral level. But of course, a precondition is what about multilateralism? We are in a period of, of criticism, uh, of crisis of multilateralism. But multilateralism would be a precondition, you know, for um, implementing science diplomacy at the multilateral level. The only one which is relevant to, to, to be efficient uh, facing a pandemic like the one we, we have now. Okay, so I, I, thank you for that. It, it sparks a couple ideas in my head. So you've mentioned this multilateralism, this multilateral stage, uh, which makes sense. Eh? If, if, if we have a common problem across the globe, it only makes sense that states band together and deal with it um, in a cooperative manner. In a situation like this, um, obviously this is relevant for COVID, but we can maybe also even, I mean, it's, it's perhaps also relevant for something like climate change, which is also an urgent matter that needs to be dealt on the multilateral level. Um, but perhaps let's, let's stick with COVID because I think it's a relevant case study here. The multilateral stage, whose stage is that? Is that supposed to be some sort of an ad hoc coalition that comes together of states who decide to work together on this specific issue? Is this the UN that needs to come in and, and set the stage? Is it the World Health Organization that needs to be managing that? Who's, whose stage uh, are we really talking about when we talk about the multilateral level? Well, um, I'm thinking about international organizations. I'm thinking about uh, uh, international conventions and negotiation uh, relating to international conventions. Uh, you see, for instance, um, in, in the in, in the situation of today, uh, we could think about having um, the equivalent of the IPCC for, for epidemic issues, you see, IPCC, which is typically, which was um, um, funded under the auspices of the uh, United Nations, um, not only, but mainly of the United Nations, which is a product of the uh, UN system, in a sense. Um, which is a, a body of uh, collective expertise, uh, scientific expertise, we could think about having uh, uh, an equivalent body, you know, in the field of health and specifically infectious disease. So um, this would be uh, something uh, 
interesting for uh, supporting multilateral diplomacy at international organizations and international convention discussions. I see, I see. That, that makes sense to me, yeah. Now, um, before we head towards our conclusion here, um, I usually try to uh, look towards the future and with science diplomacy, I think that's particularly exciting because it's such a, um, a, a new field of study and as we've just mentioned, has been going through a bit of a stress test. So uh, in your eyes, um, coming from your experience, both practically and academically, of course, uh, what does science diplomacy need to continue its growth? And I, I mean, both calling on academics and practitioners here. Well, um, the, the, the question that you put forward could be uh, the question, do we need more science diplomacy? Um, you know, science diplomacy has two aspects, uh, as I mentioned during this talk. One aspect is the national aspects, it's about advancing national interest through, through science and scientific cooperation and other uh, tools. Another aspect is uh, science diplomacy as a, as a tool, as a process for, for uh, resolving many of the planet's problems, you see, which is the global, the global approach. So to the question, do we need more science diplomacy? Do we need uh, to, to see science diplomacy uh, uh, continue to grow? Uh, I would say, well, my answer would be yes, if we speak about science diplomacy in the sense of helping for solving uh, the planet's problems. But uh, science diplomacy as a tool for advancing national interest, I would say I'm, I'm unable to to answer this question, it depends you know, what kind of national interest we would prefer, of course. The fact is that, uh, to me, uh, science diplomacy uh, uh, is uh, an appealing uh, concept, an appealing notion, and uh, I maybe would um, say that um, there, would be, there is a risk that probably the language of science diplomacy, which is appealing, could be used uh, without care, uh, or could be used as something magic, you see. Well, you, you call science diplomacy, science diplomacy, that would be, you know, something uh, great for solving many, many problems. We, we shouldn't expect too much from science diplomacy. Uh, we shouldn't th uh, think that science diplomacy is the key for solving all the problems. Um, obviously not, you know. You have people that believe in the, uh, um, omnipotence of science, uh, science being almighty. And, uh, and science is not omnipotent, is not almighty. But in the same way, science diplomacy shouldn't, shouldn't be seen as uh, you know, a um, very powerful answer to many problems. So I would maybe uh, advocate for um, realist, a realistic approach to science diplomacy, which is something productive, which is something helpful, provided that we exactly understand what science diplomacy can do and what science diplomacy cannot do. Now, I think that's, uh, that's perhaps um, the best sentiment possible to, to sort of conclude on. But before we go, I'm, uh, I, I'd like to query uh, on your role briefly as the special editor of the upcoming uh, forum uh, on science diplomacy from the Hague Journal of Diplomacy. For those who are listening who are interested and they want to dive deeper into this, um, what can they expect from this upcoming forum? Well, the forum um, gather, uh, gathered several, uh, several pieces. Uh, 
in, 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 in the idea of uh, provoking debate or bringing uh, fresh ideas, uh, addressing each of them topics which are on the table um, on the side of academics as well as on the side of practitioners. And uh, for instance, I can, uh, uh, I can be more specific. There is a topic that we didn't have time to, to, to address in our talk. This is about what is a science diplomat. Well, for instance, we have a, top, we have a paper, what is a science diplomat by Lorenzo Melchor. And we have another paper connecting to that um, issue. Uh, preparing scientists for science diplomacy requires new science policy bridges by Meredith Gore, Elizabeth Nichols, and Karen Lips. So those articles obviously bring you know, um, updated uh, reflection uh, on uh, what is a science diplomat, how what are the skills, uh, how could we improve the skills of people coming from science but willing to, to, to work or to uh, invest in science diplomacy. Besides that, we have other papers in the forum more connected to um, um, what science diplomacy and what science diplomacy is not. Uh, we have a paper by, by Pascal Griset about innovation diplomacy. Is it a particular aspect of science diplomacy or something different? We have a paper by Tim Flink, Tim Flink uh, about the sens sensationalist discourse on science diplomacy, a critical perspective. Uh, we have a paper by, by Paul Berkman, Human Population and the Double Whammy, which also addresses the question you know, of national interest versus common interests. Uh, we have a, a paper by Olga Krasniak, which I already mentioned, about science diplomacy and Soviet American academic and technical exchanges uh, during the Cold War. And, and my, one, my paper was about uh, collaboration and competition in science diplomacy. Well, perfect. I, I can imagine you, uh, you've got your hands full, obviously, with that, but uh, it, it by no means is a, is a boring job. Those are quite some exciting topics uh, and titles that I think reach further and deeper beyond what we, what we talked about today. So I, I surely will be looking out for that. Um, and of course, anyone listening, if uh, you stay posted to the Hague Journal of Diplomacy's Twitter and LinkedIn account, um, you will hear about that in the coming weeks. Um, but Pierre Bruno, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to share your thoughts with us uh, from your uh, academic and uh, practical experience with science diplomacy. I think uh, we've all learned a lot today about a topic that is, is, is new uh, and uh, something that is perhaps more relevant uh, nowadays than, than we could have anticipated. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, everyone listening, thank you so much for, for tuning in. And um, we hope to see you next time.